Hi there, and welcome to Musings of a High Achiever. I'm Mackie, and this is the podcast where we explore the conditioning and mindset of high achievers. Today, we are going to be talking about everyone's favorite topic, the F word. No, not that one, fear. Although you do know I love the other F word as well. Okay, well, so we are going to talk about fear today. And I know there's like, this is a very well covered topic. We hear about it all the time. Lots of people have written about it, spoken about it, talked about it. But I feel like there's a particular angle that I want to discuss today. And in particular, what that is, are what I see as the three illusions we commonly operate with that are fueled by fear. I believe this is important because I think fear in and of itself, we, we identify that and we understand how it shows up, but sometimes it shows up a little bit masked in other ways. And those are the things I want to talk about today. It's also important to talk about because of the cliches that we're sort of inundated with when it comes to fear, like feel the fear and do it anyway, or fuck fear or, you know, whatever, insert your favorite cliche here. Obviously, advice like that is just complete bullshit because fear is such a powerful motivator that can and does keep us from taking action probably more often than we want it to. So let's get into that. And But first, what I want to do is lay a little bit of groundwork so that we can understand that fear is not a 100% bad emotion or state of being, state of mind. It serves a really critical purpose, and that purpose is survival. It wants you to live, so it pops up to heighten your awareness, help you assess for danger, and gets you prepared to respond in some way that is going to protect you. It serves a purpose. It serves a really important purpose. If we want to rewind just a little bit, I do think it's important. Sorry, I keep saying the word important. Like, dude, there's other words. Sorry, words are hard today. But a key evolutionary role of fear, as we just discussed, is that it wants to keep you safe from physical danger. Back in the good old days, and even today, we need to have fear of things that can harm us. So for instance, big ass animals that could eat you, poison you, or cut you to ribbons. There's also the more subtle form of fear that also serves an evolutionary purpose that's around ensuring that you get to be a part of a community or a tribe because you're more likely to survive if you are part of a group. I want to be clear here that survival is still very much a concern for a lot of people on this planet, and I am not dismissing that or minimizing it in any way. For most of you who are listening, your survival is covered and it's thriving that is more of the challenge. So that is more what we're talking about today. And I know that sometimes what can happen is because there are so many people in the world who are suffering and are in a place of survival, we can start to feel guilty about our circumstances, maybe our privilege, the fact that we don't necessarily feel great about being in a place where we get to worry about, you know, quote unquote, first world problems. But here's the thing about that. You do not help people who are in survival mode by staying there yourself. If you give yourself an opportunity to thrive, you have the bandwidth to help others do that as well, if that is something that's important to you, okay? So I'm not making a judgment call about why you should wanna thrive and what you should be doing with that energy. I believe that we are not here to simply be in survival mode. And so anything that we can do to help elevate our circumstances when we have the power to do so is important because some people don't, right? 
Okay, so enough about that. We are not talking about strict survival. We are going to talk about what you need to do to move through fear in order to have an opportunity to thrive. So we've established that fear is a real thing and it does serve a purpose. The challenge is to recognize when it's serving a purpose that's really a thing and when it's standing in your way and keeping you stuck somewhere that you don't want to be. Now, I want to share just a brief history. If you've been listening to my podcast, you all know that several years ago, I made the decision to leave my cushy corporate job in order to do what I'm doing now. And it was a terrifying decision. And it did, it wasn't one that I took lightly. It wasn't one that I made quickly. I contemplated it for several years before I made the decision to make that move. And why did it take me so many years? Yeah, you guessed it, fear. It was scary. It was terrifying. The thought of leaving something that was kind of a sure thing in the way that we think of sure things, which we are going to address as part of this conversation about having illusions around fear, is it was a lot. It was a lot to contemplate. You know, I was the primary breadwinner in my family. And when I say that, like my husband makes a great living, but he's also a 100% commission-based earner. So there's just a little bit of instability in that world. And for me, it was a steady paycheck, right? I mean, I show up every day, do my thing every day, get paid every day, and it felt really secure. When I decided that maybe I didn't want to do that anymore, that was absolutely one of my first concerns, which is, you know, how are we going to survive? Are we going to have enough money to cover our bases, to be able to continue our lifestyle, to do the things that we want to do? And, you know, I really didn't know the answer to that question. At the beginning of that contemplation, not knowing the answer to the question was enough to kind of keep me in that space and be like, I'm not really sure that I want to take this risk. And, you know, to be clear, I never had any aspirations to be an entrepreneur. I liked the certainty of collecting a paycheck and being in an organization and all of that. It wasn't through until I went through my own, you know, personal development examination and looking at what I really wanted, having the recognition that I didn't think I could get that through working for someone else, that it seemed like my conclusion was sort of the inevitable it was inevitable that I was going to have to go out and be on my own to do the things that I'm doing now. Obviously, there isn't a lot of ways to do what I'm doing today, you know, when you're working for someone else. That's not the right answer for everyone. And in fact, I think there's too much emphasis on leaving um, organizational structures for something entrepreneurial. When Being an entrepreneur is definitely not for everyone. It's, it's tough ass road. Let's just put it that way. That's a topic for another time. But bottom line was it was it was scary and I had a lot to process. And when I kind of bounced around and kept seeing like the same things were coming back to me over and over again, I realized that it really staying in that cycle of co- contemplating and recontemplating and making the same excuses for why I couldn't do it, it just wasn't working for me. It wasn't really solving my problem. It was just keeping me in a cycle that that wasn't moving me forward. And it certainly was keeping me where I was not wanting to be. So when you're in a place where maybe you have some repetitive themes that come up around something that you would like to do that feels too scary or too risky to do. The the, the really tricky thing about being a human being is you not only have some of these instinctual things like fear, but then we also have egos. And when fear and your ego get together, it's like they're, they basically run around with like a big baseball bat ready to like club you the minute you think about doing something that feels like a departure from what's safe. And here's the thing about egos. Egos are important. We need our egos. 
it's not our ego, you know, your ego is not your enemy. It's a necessary piece of how you operate as a balanced human being in the world. What we don't want is for your ego to be in that very reactive space or that like negative mental chatter, chit chatty space where it's always trying to talk you out of the things that you feel pulled to doing. It's smart to look at the ways in which your ego is not serving you so that you can make some adjustments, but ultimately you do need it. In this context, when we're talking about fear, when fear joins up forces with that that mental chatter and that piece of you that really wants to keep you safe, it can be a very powerful way, a very powerful duo in keeping you from pursuing what you want to pursue. So your ego is not your enemy. We do need to examine it to make sure that the way it's operating is not just keeping you in this place on a treadmill that's not moving you forward and keeping you exactly where you don't want to be. And the other thing is, it's really important. This is very important. Okay, I know I've said important a thousand fucking times so far, but I mean it. It's important to accept fear as inevitable. The concept of courage exists only because fear exists. Courage is acting in the face of fear. (laughs) If fear didn't exist, you wouldn't need courage. The point of this particular discussion today is to help you examine fear when it shows up so that you can make the most aligned decision on how to handle it. And one of the, there's actually a couple of questions I want you to keep in mind as we move forward in discussing what I like to call the three illusions fueled by fear. And those questions are, what am I afraid of? And is this fear based on something real or imagined? Why do I want you to keep those questions in mind? Well, because we just talked about how powerful fear is. And the uh, the tricky thing about it is that regardless of whether the fear you're feeling is real or imagined, it will affect you the same way. Your emotional, mental, and physical responses to fear are the same whether the danger is real or imagined. You cannot distinguish when you're in fear. And what happens is if you're afraid of something, your automatic response is to go into self-protection mode. There are times when fear is an absolute gift and you must listen to it. This is a complete side tangent, but I think one of two of the best books on this topic are The Gift of Fear and Protecting the Gift that are both basically around how we have been socialized to ignore our instincts, which I 100% agree with. And in a lot of those cases, it's about more the real types of dangers that, we, that we've discussed. Fear is very critical to pay attention to and to listen to if you've assessed that the thing that you're feeling is based on an actual potential danger. If it's something that's more about an imagined danger, a potential outcome of taking a chance on yourself, That's the kind of fear that we want you to have some tools to be able to assess and work through so that it doesn't just freeze you in your tracks. So keep those in mind. The first fear-fueled illusion we're going to talk about is failure. And I know, yeah, failure is an opportunity. You're always learning, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I know all that, right? I like to put a little bit of a scientific spin on this because I do have a background in science. And I don't think that we spend nearly enough time appreciating and contemplating what it takes 
to get certain things to the point where we take them for granted. And that could be anything, right? I mean, it's the freaking light bulb, the electricity where you flip a switch and it just comes on. You know, you've probably flown in an airplane. Uh, you've taken medication, whether it's over the counter or prescription. You've used a computer. You've used a cell phone. You can drink from your tap in most places. <laughs> uh, not everywhere, but in a lot of places. There are so many things that we use on a regular basis that only came about through repeated failure and experimentation to get to the point where that thing was usable and accessible to us. And for some reason, we don't think about that when we're thinking about the context of our own lives. We give ourselves zero space to learn from a mistake, to learn from a poor design, to learn from something poorly executed, to learn from a badly held discussion. Like, why is that? Why is that that we can exist in a world where simultaneously all the comforts that you are used to using that make your life better exist because of repeated failure and experimentation and we don't give ourselves any space to make any mistakes in any way and just expect things to magically work out for us somehow. It's kind of insane, right? Every time you take a chance and do something in a particular way and it doesn't work out, you get to look at it and say, how could I do it differently next time and let me try again? Which is 100% how we have the things that I listed at the beginning. Because when somebody gets a PhD in like research on, I don't know, genetics or microbiology or, you know, the creation of pharmaceuticals, they're not going into a lab and going, well, I've got one chance to get this right. Otherwise, fuck it. No. They know, I mean, that's the whole point of getting a freaking PhD in research, right? Like literally that's what you do. You research, you're gonna make mistakes or design something and not get the outcomes that you hope for over and over and over again. But every single time you do that, it gives you information about what to tweak next time. And that's why we have the things that we get to appreciate in life. The other thing to appreciate is when failure puts you on a different path that is so much more aligned to you. One of the the stories that comes to mind for me is when I was in my corporate role and I had been put up for executive promotion by my manager. She was very supportive and wonderful. And, you know, I went through the whole process. And in my particular organization, it was kind of like a decision by committee thing, whether or not you were going to get promoted to the next level. And I think I may have talked about this in an earlier podcast. But for the purposes of this discussion, basically what ended up happening was that my promotion was blocked by somebody that I had butt heads with in the past. And it was at a time when I was seriously considering my options for whether or not I was even going to stay in this organization or if I was going to leave and take a chance and do my own thing. That failure, that, that the failure to get promoted was pivotal to me being where I am today. It showed me that this door is not going to open for you and it doesn't really matter what you've done to earn that particular position. There's a person that doesn't want you to have it, so you don't get to have it. And that person blocked me because of that earlier conflict that we had had where I did something that he took serious offense to and the impact of it was fatal, basically from my career perspective. Now, I could sit around and think like, I failed. I can't believe this. I never made it to that level. 
I could beat myself up about how I handled it, the decision I made, what I did that was offensive, but I don't do any of that. And the reason is because I am where I am now, and this is infinitely better than where I could have been if that had happened for me. There's opportunity in failure, whether it's the opportunity to make a tweak, do something differently, or sometimes to set you on a totally different path that you might not have had the wherewithal to choose outright. Or, you know, perhaps that you didn't see as a real option until a certain door was closed and then your only choice was to go through another one. And I'm sure in your life there have been things that you have felt were failures that when you were able to reflect on them in hindsight, you can see that they served you in some way. It served you in some way that that thing didn't go the way that you thought it was going to or that you wanted it to at the time. So anchor yourself in those experiences, review them and think about them. And and even if they were devastating on some level, you may see like, you know what, that actually ended up being a really good thing. And then apply some of that confidence, I guess you could call it, from knowing that that's been the case in previous experiences to shoring up whatever internal strength you need to take another chance and know that however it turns out, it's going to serve you in some way. Okay, so that was illusion number one. Let's talk about illusion number two, because I think this is a big one. So fear-fueled illusion number two is loss. And this is a tricky one, because loss, kind of like failure and fear, is inevitable. It's an inevitable part of our lives. We periodically experience it in in a lot of different ways. We can lose jobs, friendships, marriages, loved ones. And there are clearly degrees of loss, right? They're each very real and they put in motion things we cannot predict. We sometimes must grieve. We may feel lost. We may be trying to find our way back to whatever life looks like in the aftermath of, of that particular loss. And we can't always predict what form it will, ta- it will take. So once again, I am not here to minimize any kind of loss of any of those things, right? I'm not talking about the loss of loved ones or, you know, things of that nature, which are very real, very painful pieces of being in the human experience. What I want to focus on here is the kind of loss that we believe we're setting ourselves up for by taking a particular action, or maybe even by showing up more authentically as ourselves. So this is like the kind of fear of loss that comes from if I say this or do this, then this person circumstance or situation is going to fall away from me. You know, I I think that this is a particularly powerful fear, um, the fear of loss. And it can really make us walk on eggshells and withhold our truth in so many different ways. And here's the thing about the kind of loss that I want to talk about today. If you showing up authentically causes something to go away, you need that thing to go away. It's really that simple. If you being you ends your marriage, your marriage was not aligned for you. If you being you ends in the loss of a work opportunity, that opportunity wasn't for you. Sometimes the loss happens and it's not because we've done and even taken an action. So let's say it's, you know, you get laid off or your company gets acquired and somebody makes a decision that like, you know, we're, we're going to cut the force and you don't make the cut. 
that's a real thing. It's a real impact to your life to, to lose your financial stability and security and you have a family to take care of. Those are all real things. And at the same time, you we often hear stories, talk to people, know people who find an opportunity that is so much more aligned to them because the other one ended. And sometimes we don't have the courage to end things ourselves. I mean, that's what we're talking about today, right? We're talking about fear. Even when we know like this thing has to end, you may know that a thing has to end in your life and you're just going to wait it out or you're just going to quote, see what happens. And every once in a while, there's an element of our lives where that's taken out of your hands and something ends. Maybe you have a health event because you were super stressed and it was you felt confused about how to make a move that would get you out of a very stressful like professional situation, for instance. And then you have a heart attack and you're like, well, I absolutely have clarity now about what really matters to me and it ain't this. Sometimes what loss does is it makes space in your life for something that's more aligned to you to come in. Even if you can't see it in that moment, this is kind of like the failure piece we talked about where it's in hindsight that you're able to look back and say, wow, when that friendship ended, I felt relieved or I ended up finding out things after the fact that really showed me that this was not a thing that was serving me in any way. It wasn't a good connection to have. So loss sometimes makes space in your life for something that is much more aligned to you. And I'll even talk about this in the context of like a very professional context where, you know, I sometimes work with people who are commission earners or in sales, things like that. And they'll know like, oh my gosh, this person who's approached me to work with them, like they're going to make my life a living hell. They're showing all these red flags. It's going to be miserable working with them, but I can't leave money on the table. So I'm going to go ahead and work with them because you see it as a potential loss of income. But what that person comes with is so much baggage and will take up so much mental space that actually what they'll do is squeeze out any other potential opportunities for people to come in and work with you because you will not have the bandwidth to do so. So sometimes you have to say no to situations that you know are going to be unpleasant for you or are not going to work out well. And that may be a a technical loss of some kind, a loss of a contract or a a loss of income. But what you're basically doing is holding your ground and saying, I'm happy to work with somebody who is, you know, has these characteristics or is going to be pleasant to work with or is going to be energizing to work with, not somebody or something that's going to drain my life force every time I have to interact with them. Okay, so loss is often a path to making space for better, more aligned people, things and situations to come into your life. Okay, so now we're down we're down to the last fear fuel delusion I want to talk about today and that is control. Oh, control, you know, we cling to you so desperately sometimes and convince ourselves that we have you. But, you know what? Control is definitely an illusion. We like to tell ourselves that, you know, if I do things like this, like if I do A, B and C, that I'm going to get outcome X, Y and Z. But does it really always work out the way we planned? I mean, of course it doesn't. You can bust your ass and check all the boxes because you think that you're going to get to a particular outcome by doing that and then feel blindsided when it doesn't happen. Like, so for instance, back to my example of this executive promotion that I did not get, 
I mean, I did everything I was supposed to do, supposed to, you know, in quotes, in order to get to that place. And it still didn't happen. I, you know, I didn't have any control over that situation. And yeah, I made mistakes along the way. But I didn't have the control. I failed at some step along the way. And ultimately, the loss of that promotion made space in my life for what I'm doing now. Control isn't a thing. It doesn't matter how hard you try to create this illusion that if you do everything in a very specific way, that it's going to turn out the way that you want it to turn out. We know that that's not true. Once again, like we know this, right? But why, despite that knowledge, do we tie ourselves in knots and make ourselves so uncomfortable trying to maintain a sense of control? Well, it goes back to the sense of safety, right? We feel safe if we believe that we have control over how a situation unfolds. And sometimes that means, once again, to go back to some of the earlier themes, just check the boxes, fall in line, don't say things that could get you into trouble, don't make moves that might end up coming back to bite you in the ass. Like basically live inside this tiny itty bitty little fucking box and then maybe things will go the way you want them to. Like, no, you can tell even from what I'm saying that, like, why would you want that? It's not what you want. It's this tiny little box of safety that you feel like you have to create. But in doing so, you're making yourself absolutely miserable. Miserable. Control is an illusion. It does not exist. And the more quickly you come to terms with that, the more rapidly your life can transform for the better. We get a sense of comfort from believing it it exists. (laughs) But it also limits us in all the ways that I was just talking about. It gives you tunnel vision. It makes you hyper-focused on the thing that you think you're supposed to be aiming for that's right in front of you so you don't actually see any opportunities to do things differently or to go in a different direction around you because you have decided this is the outcome that I am trying to control. So if something better shows up, you probably aren't even going to see it. You may not even register it. You know, and this is this is something that comes up a lot in my work with my clients. Like, you know, one of the most common things I hear is that even though they're unhappy where they are and they know they want more, they actually cannot articulate what that could be. They're so focused on like, this is my industry, this is my experience, and what I'm seeking isn't really a feature of this industry that goes with this experience. The idea that you're only qualified to do one thing because of your previous experience is so limiting. And a piece of that is because of this control aspect where we just have this tunnel vision where it's like, this is what I work so hard for. This is what I must be um, successful at. I am successful, but I want more. But if I want more, then the more isn't possible inside this industry. And so you just kind of end up looping around and staying in this little box. And well, so as to use myself as an example, once again, if I had described to that way of thinking, I'd be working in healthcare as a healthcare IT executive somewhere. Because that was my experience before I left to do what I'm doing now. Your skills are transferable. It's got nothing to do with where you've been, but it's this weird sense of control and limitation that keeps us thinking in this very tunnel vision kind of way that doesn't open up space and opportunity for you. Let go of your iron grip, okay? There are possibilities around you 
But if you can just be open to the fact that there is something that's going to light you up and energize you, even if you don't know what it is, you give that thing an opportunity to be seen. When you feel like you find yourself in this place where you're trying to control whatever it is, ask yourself, like, what do I think is going to happen if I don't control this? What happens if I stop controlling and start trusting? Okay, so we covered a lot of ground here. I know this is kind of a heavy topic. So to recap, illusion number one was failure, which is really just an opportunity to learn and do things a different way next time. And often in hindsight, you can see how those failures served you. Illusion number two is loss, which in the context of being more of who you are, if you're afraid that that's going to make things fall away from you and you're going to lose those things, really what they're doing is making space in your life for what's more aligned to you to come in. And then control keeps us very narrowly focused on limited outcomes rather than opening opening us up to the possibilities of, of what could be there for us. So as you're looking at fear and how it's showing up for you in these various ways, Ask yourself, what am I afraid of? How would I typically respond to this fear? When have I done something despite fear? And then what was the outcome of having done that? Where in hindsight can you see how any of these things, whether it was a failure, a loss, or seeing that control is not something that you have, how in hindsight are you able to see how ultimately those situations ended ended up working out for you? And how can you apply some of that knowledge and faith at the forefront of the next opportunity to say, you know, whatever happens next, it's for my benefit. And ask yourself, you know, sometimes the fears that loom really large are around small things. So, you know, asking yourself, what's the worst that could happen? Like, let's say I reach out to this person and I'm really nervous about reaching out to them. Well, what's the worst that can happen? What are they going to do? Like, ignore you? So nothing changes? Say, no, I'm not interested in talking to you. So like, nothing changes? <laughs> Sometimes the, the, the quote worst that could happen is like actually pretty neutral and not a big deal at all. So just make sure once again that you're looking at that real versus imagined uh, danger and then deciding, yeah, I can handle that if that's the worst and I'm just going to go ahead and do it anyway. Diffuse the fear by putting a realistic lens on it rather than a catastrophic one, which is where most of us operate from if we're not being consciously aware. Well, thank you so much for listening today. If you found this helpful, I would so appreciate you um, rating the podcast. Just, you don't have to write a review, even just putting some stars on it would be awesome. Sharing it with other people, you know, to help me get the word out. I would really appreciate that. So thank you for tuning in and I'm excited to come back with yet another fun-filled high achieving topic for next time.